Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 69, verses 1 through 5 and 30 through 36. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Many are those who would destroy me, my enemies who accuse me falsely. What I did not steal must I now restore. O God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. I'll praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify her with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. Let the oppressed see it and be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise her own that are in bonds. Let heaven and earth praise her, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah, and her servants shall live there and possess it. The children of her servants shall inherit it, and those who love her name shall live in it. Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 38. The Lord spoke to Moses, Take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon half as much, that is, two hundred and fifty, and two hundred fifty of aromatic cane, and five hundred of cassia, measured by the sanctuary shekel, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make these a sacred anointing oil, blessed blessed as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the Ark of the Covenant, and the table and all its utensils, and the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them so that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them will become holy. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them in order that they may serve me as my priests. You shall say to the Israelites, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout the generations. It shall not be used in any ordinary anointing of the body, and you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whoever puts any of it on an unqualified person, shall be cut off from the people. The Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices, stacta and anica and galbanum, sweet spices with pure frankincense, an equal part of each, and make an incense blended as by the perfumer, seasoned with salt, pure and holy. Then you shall beat some of it into powder, and put part of it before the covenant in the tent of meeting, where I shall, where I shall meet with you. It shall be for you most holy. When you make incense according to this composition, you shall not make it for yourselves. It shall be regarded by you as holy to the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to use his perfume shall be cut off from the people.
Acts chapter 22, verses 2 through 16. When they heard him addressing them in Hebrew, they became even more quiet. Then he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, educated strictly according to our ancestral law, being zealous for God, just as all of you are here today. I, I persecuted this way up to the point of, bil- of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. From them I also received letters to the brothers in Damascus, and went there in order to bind those who were there, and to bring them back to Jerusalem for punishment. While I was on my way and approaching Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone about me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? Then he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I asked, What am I to do, Lord? The Lord said to me, Get up and go to Damascus. There you will be told everything that has been assigned to you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, those who were with me took my hand and led me to Damascus. A certain Ananias, who is the devout man according to the law and well spoken of by all the Jews living there, came to me. And standing beside me, he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. At that very hour I regained my sight and saw him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will, to see the righteous one and hear his own voice. For you will be his witness to all the world of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name. Good morning, and welcome to the first Tuesday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from Imesville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 69. Exodus 30 and Acts 22. And the um, the Exodus reading, of course, I thought, because I'm probably just as much of a hipster as anybody else, I thought, ooh, I should make that. That oil, I wonder what it smells like, or that incense. I totally disregarded the fact that anybody that makes it is supposed to be cut off from the people, but I definitely had that thought. Because it, it has, like, cinnamon and... Uh, a bunch of stuff that I can't remember. Um, but it probably smells pretty good. It doesn't smell like horrible. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Acts 22. Um, because of the, the writing I'm doing for um, God is a Grunt, my next book, um, one of the things I'm looking at right now is citizenship. And um, this chapter in Acts where Paul... Uh, in this selection, he's it's kind of like the preface, but very soon um, he's going to get attacked by the mob and a tribune by the name of Claudius Lysias um, will basically rescue him. And the tribune who may be uh, the commander of the first cohort of, uh, not the legion, oh, I cannot remember now, Anyway, um, a high-ranking officer, and um, he he will eventually pull this thing about his his citizenship. You know, he's gonna he's about to be flogged. He's like, "Are you gonna flog a Roman citizen?" And Lysias says, "Oh, wait, you're a Roman citizen." 
And Paul is like, yeah, I was born one. And Lysias says, actually before that, but he says, um, I had to pay a large sum of money for my citizenship, or some translations render it freedom. Um, but in in this selection, he's Paul is telling about his conversion story on the road to Damascus. And just about everywhere I've ever seen it depicted in art, uh, the fres- uh, Ben Long fresco in, um, in North Carolina, Gustave Doré, which I use all over the place, um, Paul um, and his companions, Paul not always, but definitely his companions, are depicted as soldiers, as men in uniform. And there's one... Um, this is one occurrence where he tells of his conversion. There's another in like Corinthians and another earlier in Acts. And it never actually says soldiers. It says companions. It says fellow travelers. It says, uh, you know, stuff like that. But it never actually says soldiers. Um, and we don't know what he was doing. He says that he's going to Damascus uh, with the authority of the chief priests. Um, the extent to which that authority extends that far is questionable, but, you know, Rome did give client states a lot of leeway. Um, the, the, this period, depending on when we're talking about, it's probably before the Jewish War of uh, 70 AD. So they probably have some kind of leeway, um, but his authority isn't unlimited. Um, but he's going up there, um, supposedly, to find more Christians and to bind them up and take them to the Sanhedrin of Jerusalem. Um, but it, the, the men that he's with are not necessarily soldiers. They, they might be a part of the temple guard, which um, is either going to be like Jewish enforcers, um, actual royal soldiers of Herod's, um, or perhaps, but very unlikely, um, Roman soldiers attached to Fort Antonia. Um, that had some some amount of um, due or, or command structure due to the high priests, but really they were Roman, uh, under Roman command. And this Damascus, the road to Damascus, a lot of people, I think, you know, very likely identify these men that are with him as soldiers as well. And if that's true, are, are Roman soldiers going around you know, binding up Christians and taking them away to a Jewish council. Um, again, it's it's unlikely, but I think that perception exists for a reason. Um, uh, another one of these moments where we probably think there are soldiers, but there are not, is when the, the mob comes to arrest Jesus. The only gospel of the four that even mentions soldiers uh, is the Gospel of John, and it mentions them as just like this aside. John really does not like Rome, um, even more so than Mark. Um, John claims that a detachment of soldiers came with the mob, which was mostly, um, you know, uh, devout Jewish Sanhedrin sympathizers. Um, no soldiers, um, you know. There were not Roman soldiers. Judas was leading uh, uh, followers of the Sanhedrin to where Jesus was, because that's who he made the deal with, the 30 pieces of silver. Um, But no soldiers were there to arrest him. 
Um, and depending on which gospel, again, they they differ somewhat. But soldiers, Roman soldiers, don't even appear until, um, I mean, after you know, basically the flogging. Um, and even then, you know, it's still kind of like, um, you know, their their role, like in Luke, is downplayed. Luke is very friendly to Rome. Um, Mark and Matthew both seem relatively, um, you know, practical in terms of like what they're saying. Um, but John, you know, John has as much animosity as he does, to, has as much animosity toward soldiers as he does toward the Jews, um, which John seems to blame uh, for the crucifixion. Um, and finally, another you know instance where we might think soldiers appear, but they don't. Um, is at the crucifixion, somebody offers Jesus sour wine. And that's, I again, in art, I've seen it very often depicted as a soldier. I'm doing so at the end of a spear. Um, the sour wine um, at the end of a, of a stick on a sponge was how the Romans used to wipe their ass. Um, you can look it up. I can't remember what the actual word was. It's like flabellum or something. I can't remember. But this was, you know, this was used in toilets to wipe your butt and they're basically saying well if you're thirsty you can you can have this toilet paper essentially and it's never a soldier who does it um it's a bystander it is someone you know according to yeah again different gospel accounts i can't remember which one said which but it's not actually a soldier that offers jesus sour wine as he's dying on the cross um and the the meaning behind it is you know, varies, but it seems, you know, it definitely happened because all four Gospels record that it happened in different ways according to their, you know, their their um, their own bias and audience. Um, so we should take care to notice where soldiers are and where they are not um, because that, um, you know, it should inform um, what you know, what we think about soldiers and Jesus's message for them, about them, at them, um, because it isn't always the same as we might think it is. Um, you know, the Captain Marvel, as I call him in, in Matthew 8 and Luke 7, you know, he speaks very highly of him. And the rest of the, the New Testament, either, you know, Luke and Acts are very um, sympathetic, but the other Gospels you know, for the most part, John doesn't like them, but um, and as a whole, the New Testament kind of has like a so what, who cares kind of mentality. Um, you know, the the taxes stuff, it's like, well, bring me a fish and I'll pull a coin out of their mouth, like, give me a break. Um, it doesn't seem that Jesus is all that interested in it in the way that we are, of like trying to make some moral claim about whether the military is good or bad. Um, you know, Soldiers are not always where we think they are. And we think they are in certain places because of what we think about the military. Um, yeah, it reminds me of the Capitol siege. I didn't want to think about the fact, and I knew it was true, that there would be a large number of veterans who are disgruntled and disenfranchised and who would have been a part of that group. Um, and damn near every you know major arrest that's been made seems like they mention their military service. Um, and, like, I just don't want it to be true, but it is true. Um, you know, veterans are diverse. Veterans are 
right and left, Democrat, Republic, uh, progressive, conservative. Um, but it's also a reminder, and this is, um, you know, that there is no one answer for soldiers and veterans um, in, you know, in terms of what we think about them morally. Um, and I say that because the, the first video that I saw on the 6th, on Epiphany actually, was a black Capitol Police officer basically running backwards upstairs, like trying to, apparently trying to lure a mob away from the the House chamber, the Senate chamber, I can't remember. And, you know, it was that, uh, like, Viana, Viana, Laura had mentioned, oh yeah, they've locked down the Capitol. Didn't, like, it didn't dawn on me until like six or seven when I see this video. A black Capitol Police officer looked to be, you know, being chased down by a mob. The same black police officer whose name I don't want to disclose um, was is now counted as a casualty of the mob because he committed suicide short, just a few days after everything happened. Um, and, you know, it's a reminder that um, there's people on all sides, you know, there's human beings on all sides of these, you know, disputes that we come up with, these petty disagreements. Um, and we can find meaning almost anywhere. Um, but I think the point is um, that just like civilians, soldiers and veterans are diverse. There's no one easy cookie-cutter shape that, that they all fit into. Um they might make us sad, they might make us angry, um, but at the end of the day, they they are made by God as human beings, um, and that we should take the time to listen and to receive and to, to hear from who they are and, and what they do and what their story is before we jump to conclusions by assuming that they're in all these places that we think either indict or or acquit them of all these things that we think they do. Um, if they're human beings, it means they deserve a chance to be heard. It deserve that, that they each um, should be treated with dignity and respect. Um, and we should all remember that we don't know who and what they are until they tell us. A prayer for all sorts and conditions of people from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the creator and preserver of all humanity, we humbly beseech you for all sorts and conditions of people, that you would be pleased to make your ways known to them, your saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for the Holy Church Universal, that it may be so guided and governed by your good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth, and hold the faith and unity of spirit in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to your fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed in mind, body, or estate, that it may please you to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings, and a, a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen.
Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.